It is wonderful to be here in this beautiful place. This is Colorado is the place where growing up in Texas is where I learned to ski. Because every year in high school, we had the opportunity to come to Breckenridge for music competition. And every year, we would dress up in our red tie, and we would go up and play for about 20 minutes, get judged, and then we'd go out several days and ski. I, I remember, since I only did it once a year, I, I would fall every single day until, until the last day, I would, I would figure out how to ski. But it is wonderful to return to Colorado. Thank you, Pastor Ike, for this invitation to be here on this wonderful day. Uh, when Pastor Ike invited me to come to Colorado, I said yes immediately, because I don't often get an opportunity to come to a beautiful place like this. I bring you greetings from, from my colleagues in the general ministries. Everyone is keeping you in prayer today as you install your new pastor, so know that the whole church is thinking of you. I work with Wicker Compassion. It is the Ministry for Relief, Development, and Refugee Work. We work with partners all over the world to help people in times of crisis. And so I'm excited to be here with you to share a little bit about the work that we do. In the Gospel of John today, we hear Jesus return from the grave and visit his disciples. And he says to them, Peace be with you. You have to understand what's happening here, because imagine what those words mean when the disciples who just the last few days have lost their leader, they now have no clue how they will move forward, and they are afraid, afraid that they were going to be next. And so they are in hiding. All the doors are locked up. And so they are afraid. And when Jesus appears to them and says, Peace be with you. Imagine how powerful those words are. The powerful words are comforting words to the disciples' ears, assuring them that they are no longer alone, that their Savior has risen from the tomb. What was chaos in the previous days is now no more. What was uncertain of their future, now there's a glimmer of hope. And as followers of Christ, when we come together in Christ, we are in the presence of our Lord and Savior. And together we hear and we proclaim, peace be with you. This is the resurrection the work that we do together as a church through Week of Compassion is just this, proclaiming and sharing Jesus' good news of peace and reconciliation in places that so desperately need peace, hope, and love. Giving hope when there is little hope in places that have been devastated by war, famine, hunger, disasters. This is Jesus' message in the midst of devastation, pain, brokenness. Peace be with you. Through Week of Compassion, churches all over the United States and Canada work together to bring healing and care. 
in places like Mozambique just a few days ago that experienced another cyclone that killed many people because six weeks ago, another cyclone came through and killed hundreds of people. Imagine with our churches working together, proclaiming peace be with you in the midst of so much destruction in that community and what it means to these communities in times of disaster. It comes in the form of food, water, medicine, shelter. Peace be with you includes with us standing and walking with these communities to help them recover and rebuild for the long term. The emergency supplies that we sent this week came from churches all over, churches who pray and lifted up the community and offer help to offer new life, to offer the resurrection. When we come together as a church, God uses all of us, each one of us, to strengthen us so we can share the good news to the world and offer healing. When churches come together to serve our neighbors, we see God's love and mercy. And it not only transforms the world, it also transforms us as well. Jesus says, peace be with you. As the executive director of Wicked Compassion, I get to see many communities who have been transformed because of the work we do together as church. I get to visit a small village in Sierra Leone in West Africa who have experienced Ebola three years ago and now trying to rebuild. We are walking with them in this long, difficult journey. Peace be with you. I get to break bread with young children in Haiti in their new classroom that we helped to rebuild because of the earthquake and hurricane. New life. This is the work of peace building. I get to visit our churches in Texas who were completely flooded because of Hurricane Harvey two years, two years ago and are now back into the sanctuary and worshiping again. This is God's work through us. God is at work using our hands and our feet, changing the world. This is what it means to proclaim and hear, peace be with you. It is the work of the resurrection And so much resurrection work is needed in our world today. When churches come together, we see God doing some incredible work. And when I hear, peace be with you, it is an invitation and a call for us to come together to change the world. And I've seen how our church does this peace work all over the world through wicked compassion. I've seen the impact in the many lives we have transformed together all over in Myanmar, in South America, in Africa, in the Middle East. 
But I want to share with you today that not only have I seen the transformation that our church have done together throughout the years all over the world, but I have experienced it. I have received the transformation of God using our church to touch millions of lives, including my own. And each time when I get the opportunity to worship with a local congregation, such as here today at South Suburban Christian Church, I'm reminded of the very first time I heard words spoken to me of the good news, of the resurrection, of new life that gave me hope. Peace be with you. Those words changed my life. I grew up in Vietnam, and there was much conflict in Southeast Asia in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And because of so much conflict, millions of people were forced to flee, and millions of people died because of the dangerous journey across the ocean. Now, the Vietnam War ended in 1975, but it did not end for my family. My dad worked for the United States government during the war, and anyone who worked with the U.S. during the war had no future in the new government. All of them, including my father, were in prison in concentration camp after the war ended, getting re-educated to the new government and their ideologies. Like so many others who worked for the U.S. during the war, he was sent to prison multiple times for several years. So finally, he had to find a way to move on, to leave. He had to make two difficult decisions. He could stay or he could leave. In both cases, it meant leaving his family. If he were to flee, he couldn't take the entire family with him because of the danger ahead. Because many people prior tried to take all of the family over, and if you didn't make it, you lose all of your family. So he didn't want to risk that. And if he were to flee, he couldn't take the entire family with him. So, but he couldn't stay either. Because that also meant danger to his life, and more importantly for him, to his family. So he had to make the hard choice to flee and leave his entire family behind. And he decided to take me with him because I was the youngest. I don't remember much, but what I do remember was that it was late at night I was already in bed. My mom woke me up. And of course, when you were four years old and your parents wake you up when you're really tired and sleeping, a kid that age would act cranky. So I was not happy. I was crying, yelling at my mom because it was late. And she put me on the motorcycle. And I was fighting her. I didn't want, I wanted to go back to bed. And then I started seeing tears in her eyes. 
And that's when things changed for me, because I have never seen her cry before. Had I known that that was the last time I was going to see my mother, I would have responded differently. I would have cooperated. I was only four at the time, the same age as my son today. I didn't know what was really happening. How do you expect a child to understand war at the young age of four? So my mom put me on the back of the bike. She took off her raincoat and used that to tie me around my dad's waist and told me to hold on tight and not let go. We fled during the middle of the night as quietly as possible, as fast as we could so that we wouldn't get caught. And then eventually we got to the sea where my dad put me on his shoulders and swam out to the boat where there were other families waiting for us. There were more people on the boat than the, than the boat could actually handle. I remember all of us hearing to not jump up and down, to not shake the boat. We had no clue where we were going. We had no compass. We had no map. It was dark. The only thing that was guiding us were the stars. We did not have a destination. The only thing we knew was to go as far away as possible from land so that we don't get caught, because getting caught meant going back to prison for everyone. We spent a week at sea floating, praying, we encountered pirates, and they took everything. But we continued our course, and we prayed. Eventually, we made it to land where we saw military people with guns waiting for us. They welcomed us, gave us water, gave us food, and transported us to our first refugee camp in Cambodia. Reflecting back, you know, it was interesting because when we saw those military men with guns, the adults, somehow, they knew not to be afraid. Somehow, they were relieved. What was full of danger and little hope of surviving out in the sea the last few days now felt a little bit calmer. Thinking back, I can't help but think of the feelings that the adults had, of the calm that the disciples felt when they heard, peace be with you. In the refugee camp every day, the adults would go out and did labor work, hard labor work. And at night, we would come back and we would eat together. There, we all were strangers, but because we were all leaving our home and this was a foreign land, we weren't strangers being separated from our family and from our home meant that we had to create this community as a family. And that gave us strength to survive. After a year in the camp in Cambodia, we were transferred to another camp in Laos, then eventually to another camp in Thailand. I remember the last destination 
that we ended up being in. And that was in the Philippines, at one of the biggest refugee camps during this time. And we spent about a year there. We settled. We had our own little tiny apartment made out of wood. And there we settled. I remember one night, my dad asked me, where should we go to live? Now, during this time, refugees in the camp were going to Australia, Europe, and the United States. And for him to ask me these questions, where would you like to go next, was strange. Because the last several years, it was me, I was the one asking every night, where are we going? And the answer was always, we don't know. But this night, my dad asked me, where would you like to go? And he listed the three options that we had. Oregon, Washington, or Texas. We didn't know anything about Oregon or Washington, but what we knew about Texas was that the reason why we want to go to Texas is because it is beautiful, hot. It is where we can feel the humidity that's above 100% year-round. It's just like home. And so we chose Texas. And one day in the camp, we received a letter from a community in Texas letting us know that they would be the ones sponsoring us to the United States. And in the letter, they accompany a thin booklet with pictures of people in it. I asked my dad, who, who are all these people? And as we were flipping through so many pages, I remember him saying, these are our new friends, our new community who will be sponsoring us. This booklet with pictures of people was actually a pictorial directory of every member at East Dallas Christian Church. And there were letters that accompany the pictorial directory. Flipping through each page of the directory and reading the letters and seeing their names, I wonder if my dad might have also heard Peace be with you. I was lucky that a disciple congregation like East Dallas Christian Church took us in. I remember arriving at the airport, July, in the summer. It was 100 degrees outside. It wasn't hot enough for us. I had a thick jacket on. They had really strong air conditioning back then, too, by the way. And I remember how East Dallas Christian Church was at the airport. I remember all the pastors, the elders, welcoming me. And I remember one of the pastor's son brought me a gift. It was a baseball and a plastic bat. I loved it. I remember how that church welcomed me. I remember how East Dallas Christian Church worked with other churches in the Dallas area to make sure 
that our arrival was going to be ready, that our apartment was going to be set for us to move in when we arrived. I remember how East Dallas worked with the region to make sure that there was coordination. And I remember the churches working with our national office, the Office of Weaker Compassion, to make sure that we would get here okay. It wasn't easy in the beginning. The transition was hard for me. I remember I didn't have an easy time of fitting in. I didn't know how to communicate with people. But still the congregation was patient, kind, loving, and showed me what it was like to be a part of a community that was supportive of someone who they didn't treat any differently, but just like their own. And I remember, as a kid, testing their patience. I remember multiple occasions during the sermon, I would stand up, ran across the stage, screaming out loud, creating trouble. I don't recommend we do that today. (laughs) But each time that I was creating trouble for that community, always one of the elders would come up to me and would embrace me and give me a hug and would whisper into my ears, peace be with you. I would not be a disciple today if it was not for that congregation. I would not be an ordained pastor if it was not for the grace and compassion in which I received from the church in giving me space to grow, in giving me the opportunity to walk in my faith, to give me the opportunity to get into trouble in supporting me. And for sure, I would not be standing here before you this very morning, grateful to the church and the work that we have done together. As the executive director today for Wicked Compassion, the same ministry that worked with many congregations across the country to help reset thousands of refugees in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I now get to continue this important work of our church to walk with people who have lost their homes, to continue the important work of healing and peace, the same way that we, the church, have done that, that benefited so many people in our community, so many people around the world, including myself, for so many years. For when we come together and serve our sisters and brothers, when we serve our neighbors here and around the world, we are actually inviting Christ into our lives, into our midst, and it transforms us. It transformed me. And as a church, we are called to make sacrifice. And when we invest our lives in a few people, somewhere along the journey, those few people invest their lives in a few more people. And before you know it, the world is transformed. The work that we do together as a church is the work of resurrection to strengthen our relationship with God and with one another so that we may offer peace and healing and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all and say, peace be with you. 
I'm grateful for the church. I'm grateful for the people at East Dallas Christian Church who raised me and made me who I am today. I'm grateful for the opportunity to return back what was blessed and shared upon me. And today, we all have that chance to build and strengthen communities all over the world. You know, every day, as part of my work, I hear communities experiencing turmoils and disasters. And every day, I get phone calls from churches throughout the country asking, what can we do to help? And each time when I take those phone calls, we would pray together. And we would think together how to help rebuild these communities for the long term. Because we know that the long term is going to be hard and challenging. The work of rebuilding takes years. That's why to this day we are still in places like Puerto Rico doing the work of rebuilding even after the hurricane decimated the, the, the island several years ago. And we are still needing people to go and we'll continue to need and send volunteers for the next several more years to help rebuild the island. We need churches to come together. We need churches such as South Suburban Christian Church to continue to support communities, such as when you did it for the people of Port Arthur, Texas, when Hurricane Harvey flooded the entire city. This is what discipleship is like, investing and supporting years after the storm has passed. It is a lifelong journey, a lifelong investment. Churches like South Suburban Christian Church and the pastors and elders and deacons and members that you have here are who we relied on to make sure that communities hear and experience the peace of Christ. Your history of care and mission, your generosity and time, talent, and treasure are that through which God rebuilds people's lives. The work that we do together, South Suburban Christian Church, is the work of the resurrection of new life. It is peace be with you. Today, you are installing your new senior pastor. It is a new beginning, yes, but from my perspective, it is bringing together a church that is committed to the long haul of discipleship and compassion. And a senior pastor, like all pastors, who give their whole lives in service to Christ's church. I celebrate the 38 years of service that Pastor Darrell and you did together. I'm grateful that he and you were willing to work alongside Wicked Compassion to answer God's call and share the peace of Christ in so many places for so many years. Many of those communities have been transformed because of you. And I'm so looking forward to the many more decades to come as Pastor Ike and you work together. And I promise that Wicked Compassion will be here with you because you have always been there for the church and the people we serve alongside with. Congratulations on this great day. Pastor Ike, you have been called by God to a great community of faith. 
South Suburban Christian Church, you have been open to God's call of Pastor Ike to this place. So get ready. Buckle up. And hold on tight. God is at work here and has brought the two of you together for a great and faithful future. Peace be with you. Amen.